Okay, welcome back to Spousal Privilege. Tonight we're going to talk about Season 1, Episode 10 of The Americans. This one's titled Only You. But first, I guess, do we have any follow-up? Not that I recall. It's been a while since we've talked. Like a week. Yes. And we watched a whole different show in the meantime, so... Yeah. I, I must say it took me a little bit of this episode to kind of get back into the flow. Yeah. We watched all of season one of The Leftovers in between us watching episode nine and episode ten of The Americans. It's a little different. Yeah. You want to talk about that a little bit? Just kind of off the top of our heads. We don't have to, it doesn't have to be like, this can be a little pre-show. So spoiler alert on season one of The Leftovers. Hmm. Very interesting. I'll pull up a character list so we at least have something to refer to. Last episode was just weird and it's just stuck in my mind. I mean, obviously we liked it enough to watch the whole season. How many episodes? Ten episodes. I mean, it's definitely... I can see why... I mean, I, I don't know about you. I, I definitely want to watch the second season. Because I've heard that the second season's better than the first season. Okay. I don't really know anything about it. I just know that I, I don't, I think maybe, I think maybe I heard that they jump ahead somehow or something like I'm not going to try, going to try to not read a lot on this Wikipedia page I've pulled up because I don't want to, I don't want to end up knowing more than I want to know. Well, I think at first I thought one of the main characters would completely spoil things. But I mean, so well, I, already, the I already said spoiler alert, so we can spoil all we want. Okay. Well, so the wife of the policeman. So that would be the your your lady from private practice. Correct. Amy Brenneman. Her name is Lori on the show. Which Lori I Garvey. I, I find it kind of interesting. I think her role, even on private practice, even though, because it was like, a, you know, like a doctor's office. I think she was kind of. She was a psychiatrist. Yeah. I think maybe she, she was kind she, of. She only allowed to play psychiatrists. I know. It was like, it's like <laughs> you're kind of playing that role in practice. So I thought that was interesting. She was a judge on that one show we didn't watch. It was it was like supposed to be kind of funny. She was like a. Oh, with um. Will was, and Grace was lady. Was it called Judging Amy? I think it was called Judging Amy. Oh, then that's not the chick from Will and Grace show. Or was it? Yeah, Judging Amy was the name of the show. CBS drama. Oh, that was. And then she was on private practice. So yeah. No, there's like a. I don't what think you, she what was really thinking of. I don't know if she was really a judge, but I think she was a lawyer. The um, from Will and Grace. And I actually worked with her father through packaging with Walmart. Oh, you're talking about Deborah Messing. Yes. Yes, that's Michelle's big star. Um, <laughs> Closeness to the star I've ever yes. been to. Oh, are you talking about that Starter Wife show that she did that we didn't actually watch? We watched like an episode, but then it just wasn't. Is that pretty recent? No, that's about like the film industry or something. Uh, you're not talking about that Mysteries of Laura show, are you? That is what you're talking about, isn't it? She was a detective. And it was like trying to be funny. It's actually still on, but we watched like one episode and it was super dumb. Oh, it's still on? Yeah. Okay, no, probably. It was like she was, 
her and her husband were like divorced or something. Yeah. They were getting divorced, and they had to like quickly try to like pretend they weren't for their kids. Yeah, it was totally private school or something. And it's the guy from Sweet Home Alabama was her ex husband. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just terrible. And yet it's uh, it's actually still on. I think maybe it got better. Yeah, no, still on. Thirty-eight episodes. What channel? Actually, I think I'm pretty sure it's just a testament to how NBC really sucks right now. And so they're, they'll leave like anything on. They're like, oh, um, this show doesn't cost very much to make and seven people are watching it. So seven's more than six. We'll leave that on. <laughs> so back to. <laughs> so back to the, the leftovers. <laughs> so back to not never messing Amy Brenneman <laughs> as the. Uh, estranged wife of them. So the main character of the show is the chief. Right. Kevin, he wasn't, Kevin Garvey. It wasn't really a chief when, before the whole, I thought he was just a regular guy, like his. He was just a regular cop. His, right. Well, we find out, yeah, that his dad was the chief. But, I mean, when the show begins... He is introduced to us as the chief of right. police. It's only later on that we find out that he hasn't been the chief for that long. Although I guess it's been a couple of years because it, 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 it initially is taking place a couple of years after the, the the people vanished. So was I not paying attention? Probably. At the beginning and <laughs> and his wife, we knew she didn't disappear or did you, or was it like, finally revealed to you that she actually didn't oh no i think i think it was we were intended to think that his wife disappeared since she was part of the but then because it was it was supposed to be kind of a reveal that she was part of the weird cult they're called the guilty remnant they dress in white and they smoke a hell of a lot of cigarettes yes and and don't talk yeah i want to know where they get their money from because Nobody appears to have jobs. No. Their job is just... They're buying a lot of white paint and a lot of cigarettes. <laughs> and a lot of notepads. Yeah, a lot of notepads, a lot of Sharpies. A lot of pens, yeah. Clearly, clearly they're... Um, yeah, a lot of office supplies in general because they're taking notes on all the people who had people disappear because that was all leading up to their big stunt. You, we realize now why they were standing outside people's houses creeping on them it was because they were trying to get all the information about you know where they're where they're missing people went missing from but yeah that was uh it's definitely i mean they definitely took advantage of the fact that they're an hbo show not from the standpoint of the sex so much i mean there was some sex in it but there was uh there was some pretty serious ultra violence stuff oh yes the when like the head lady or whatever. Oh my God, the, the, uh, not the head lady, but the uh, well, the lady's head, <laughs> <laughs> the lady who got duct taped to the tree in the uh, woods, and then they freaking stoned her to death. It was terrible. And like the the last blow was just. Ooh. This was like the start of an episode, so we we're like, we're like, hey, let's watch another episode of this show that we see, we we think we kind of like. Uh, nightmares. And, yeah. Then it was like, oh. Terrible, brutal bludgeoning to death. I mean, man. Only to find out later that apparently 
it was the head of the cult lady who did it. Yeah, like convinced her that she needed to die for the cause to like stir. Oh my goodness, that's jacked up. It is. Which, that's which, how cults are, though. Which made it all the more. How would you know? I mean, just from all the things you hear about. <laughs> from all your cult studies <laughs> yeah, that you've been doing? What Have do. you been standing outside the houses of cults and taking <laughs> notes about them? Yes, and smoking. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing lots of smoking. Mm. Yeah. Oh, hello. <laughs> Come by me. I always think of Waco and that whole weird... I did a big uh, school cult. report on that back in the day. Back in 1993, four. Must have been, I think it was April of 93. But, uh, yeah, I prepared a whole big uh, report for school about it. Which I'm pretty sure mostly consisted of me cutting up, like, some, like, Time Magazine and Newsweek articles. Was, that was, like, all I could get my hands on. Because it's, like, pretty, you know, I, wasn't, I couldn't go Google it. Google didn't what? exist. But you had to go on... Find some microfiche. My school library's resources were pretty limited at the time. I think you're still in Kansas, weren't you? Then yeah, I was in uh, junior high. So I mean, that's the thing. Like, if I'd been at the high school and had access to the high school library, I'm sure I could have done a much more extensive report. But the the junior high library was was pretty weak. You can't get into the high school and go borrow some stuff from their library. I mean, I suppose I could have, but. I didn't have transportation to go do that, so. I see. I'm pretty sure I got an A on the report, so, you know, let's maybe not worry about it. You're right. I really should go back and redo that. (laughs) By next week, I want a new book report or a new whatever on the Waco. I want to say somebody got concerned that that I was like, in, into in, it. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I like a teacher or something. Are you on the pot? Yeah, it was. It was. Well, you know what? That was. I think that was the same year where, um, like I made a joke about rubber cement smelling good, and that turned into like they thought I was doing inhalants and like called my parents and shit. It was ridiculous. Oh, it was a whole big drama. No, nope. and that's before the whole zero tolerance thing nowadays. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, well, I mean, yeah, that's a whole other conversation about how. They'd probably be sent home like for like a week or something. Th- these days, they arrest kids for shit that we used to do all the time. I mean, it's like, I mean, you definitely can't get in a fight of any kind at school without them like slapping the cuffs on. It, if, it's a, if it's a school that has a police officer on site, that's like what they do. That Their answer is to everything now. And I get that everybody's paranoid there's going to be the next, you know, horrible, violent school shooting or whatever. But I don't know. It's, it, it's, they certainly don't seem to, they certainly don't seem to be slowing down uh, those incidents by ramping up that kind of response to it. So I, I don't know. I'm not an expert. And that's just a we won't if go we down the rabbit com- hole. If we want to talk about how to compensate, uh, you know, the the support staff and the, and the faculty and whatnot, I could probably, that's my domain of expertise. If we want to talk about, like, merit increases for 
for the faculty. And uh, if they wanted to set up some kind of bonus program, that would definitely be more along my, uh, my current professional area of expertise. Or if they needed, uh, in, in your case, if they needed any uh, sewing, any embroidery yeah. or uh, uh, quilting is your new thing, right? Or if somebody needed their butt wiped. That's about. Oh, yeah. You are, you are, uh, you've got a PhD in butt wiping. <laughs> We're we're making juice. <laughs> you mixing, are mix, mixing juices. You and... are quite the mixologist when it comes to the uh, <laughs> to mixing up the the stool softening blend of uh, of juices. It's an art. Thanks. I think I mean, I'll be sure to put that on my resume for <laughs> whenever if you when and if you decide to rejoin the workforce, you're gonna you're gonna include. Uh, uh, I mean, the real workforce. Constipation mixologist is a, <laughs> you could put that for like your entire stint. So it wouldn't look like you were unemployed for a period of time. Maybe like, instead of saying like, oh, what's this five-year gap on your resume, Michelle? You, they'd say, they'd say really five years is a, I wouldn't think that's a, that's a career for a lot of people. And you're like, hey, there's a, there's a lot more to it than, uh, you know, it's a lot of nuances. There's new juices coming out all the time. Uh, you know, some people think it's just, you know, you just drop a little Miralax and some apple juice and you're done. No. But no. Yeah, a little prune. You, you know, a little, drop a little prune in there. You want to cut it with some water because you don't want to have a giant diarrhea explosion. And plus it's the whole, all the sugars from the apple juice. That's and... right. You got to, and you got to have the water in there to, you know, keep the hydration level up. Yeah. It's, see, I respect it. It's a, it's a. <laughs> It's a science and an art. <sighs> I am a scientist. <laughs> Mixing my little concoction of white powder and my child's beverage. That's right. Pre this morning she said it looked like sugar. <laughs> a preschool poop scientist. She said what looked like sugar? The mirror likes the going into her juice. I'm like, okay. Hey, what, whatever, whatever gets her to drink it. And praying juice is grape juice. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a pro tip for uh, for anybody out there who don't yeah don't make a big thing about how we oh we got this whole special kind of juice called prune juice for for you little little child. Now hey, just tell them it's grape juice. It looks like grape juice. Tastes kind of like grape juice. They don't need to know. <laughs> just tell them to drink it. They'll like it. <laughs> Mix it with some apple juice. They'll be fine. Okay. So The Leftovers uh, is a is an interesting show. Um, so it's... It, it's written by Damon Lindelof, who I, I think I kind of sold you on that because uh, you, you and I both really liked Lost, despite the last season. And I can see elements of him in the, in the show. Well, I was certainly, as they started to play around with flashbacks and different... Things like that. What are you doing? Slowly moving my microphone in hopes to not make a noise. <laughs> you could just move it, or is it like we could just say, like, "Hey, what about microphone?" And then move it around, and then, and then. Okay. That's easier to cut around than me talking with, like, you know. <laughs> okay. Dan just fondled his mic. Oh, they heard it. I'm gonna leave it in there. I'm gonna let them know what it was. Though. It wasn't just you, just kind of like touching it. 
so definitely as we went through the season and, and we kind of got some stuff where uh, we didn't know exactly where it was fitting in the timeline, that was definitely reminding me of Lost. Especially episode nine. Episode nine's the one where it started and everything was very different. Oh, yeah. Your immediate response was like, uh, what the fuck? Yeah, and and our buddy Chief Garvey has been having some weird-ass dreams kind of all throughout the season. Oh, and and so you're like, okay, is this some, is this yet another weirdo Chief Garvey dream? Mm-hmm. But turns out it's it's a flashback to like the Rip. like the few days before the disappearing, leading up to the disappearing. And it started to become clear pretty quickly. I think I think within the first ten or fifteen minutes of the episode, you started seeing things that were like, wait a minute, this fits in the in what we know of the timeline. So I thought it, it was very cleverly done. I agree. I also thought it was interesting that they kind of made it clear that, oh, some of these people who are dead, uh, you haven't seen the last of them. Like, we're going to we're going to work them back in through various, you know, whether it's weird, whether it's weirdo Chief Garvey dreams or uh, flashbacks or whatever. Like, we're going to see people pop back up and uh, and kind of further, you know, flesh out their story. Yeah, I think the bringing back of the one dead lady was one of the really fucked up dreams that he was having i got really oh oh is that when when they were uh they were you know she was getting a little uh, a little uh smoochy smoochy i don't know she's talking about kiss kiss getting in deep or something it was yeah. like oh yeah she was totally like you know coming on to him like like she was about to make him go deep yeah he was gonna she's gonna make him go downtown as Amador would say, you, 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 you go downtown. Amador doesn't say much these days. Nope. I wonder if they'll do any flashbacks with him or is he just completely... I don't know. That'll be interesting. Um, is there anything else on The Leftovers? No, it's a good show. I would recommend people. Definitely if you enjoyed Lost, I think you would enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, it's a quick, it's a quick 10 episode season and... Uh, so anybody who's got HBO in whatever form, like we do the HBO now, since we don't have a subscription cable or satellite or anything anymore. So uh, if you have that, then you've got access to, to both seasons on demand. So yeah, we'll definitely watch the second one. Probably so it's, so it's already out? Yeah, it's available already. Like we could have just immediately went into it, but I didn't. I didn't want to totally derail our Americans progress with with that because I had a feeling if we got a couple episodes into the second season that we wouldn't want to watch any Americans this weekend <laughs> so the Americans yeah so so let's uh let's talk about season one episode 10 what I say it's called only you yes so they course in the flashbacks you kind of figure out a few characters are going to be returning or at least one because they show stuff with Gregory and Elizabeth so I'm like hmm, gee is Gregory going to be involved <laughs> are we going to see Gregory and we did yeah so we kind of opened up kind of right after the last episode finished because it was Elizabeth dropping off Philip at his shitty motel that he's been living at yes 
and he looks pretty pissed. Um, and so initially I thought, oh boy, are they still, you know, you know, being pissy with each other? But then I realized it was, it wasn't like later on. It was that like same day. It had been like a few days or anything. Yeah. A few hours or minutes, whatever. And he was upset about that. He was, it wasn't just like him and Elizabeth stuff. It was that he was mad that, that he'd let the guy die and didn't get the information out of him. Um, and then we cut back to FBI office and agent John boy is trying to give like a motivational speech. Well, he, he got Stan excited because he, I mean, at the end he was just like, you know, we're going to get these guys and better yet, or I mean, you know, have them cuff and put them away for a long time or better yet, put them away and, or zip them up in a body bag. And that got Stan going, okay. He's like me, we're going for blood now. Mm, Yeah, Stan, Stan wants to blow these guys. Away. Right, with a gun. <laughs> that was a reference to the movie Demolition Man. Okay. Do you remember that with nope. Sandra Bullock and Sylvester Stallone? It's pretty great. Is it? Sylvester Stallone is... Uh, oh, we don't have a follow-up on the one movie we were going we were gonna see. Well, we haven't watched it yet. Oh, okay. But it, we... Our hold hasn't come in. Oh, okay. Or whatever we oh no we put it in our Netflix queue. Oh, okay. You know what? Let me let me see if it's uh, where it is in the position. Because I think the problem was I added it to the queue, but I didn't move it to the top. Our queue of a hundred. There's not that many in the queue. Gosh, I remember when it used to be like a hundred. Yeah. Now I just keep a few in there because we don't have that many out at the time. Uh, so, Chances are. So some of these I'm gonna get rid of. Okay. All right, so chances are is now the top movie in our queue. In fact, it's now the only movie in our queue, so I should probably go like put some movies in our queue. <laughs> so after the pep talk with John Boy and whatever, um, Stan goes into, I guess, like a conference room and sits and talks to John Boy and stuff like that. And the vault the vault it's the secure room that's why the red light comes on whenever they go in there okay missed that um so they go into the vault and talk um and he keeps telling agent john boy keeps telling stan to sit down and eventually finally does and stan's not wanting to go home and get any kind of rest or anything because he's like you know something might come up you know somebody might find something and um John Boyce is like, trust me, if something comes up, you're going to be the first person or, you know, we'll definitely contact you. So it's an order. Go home. Get some rest. And so finally he leaves. I was thinking, oh, good. He's finally going to go see his family. No. Wrong. <laughs> and then um, it cuts to Philip coming out of the shower at his crappy hotel or crappy motel. And there's a knock at the door. And so he kind of opens a drawer with his gun and he says, who is it? And it's like, FBI. So he recognizes that it's Stan's voice and opens the door and stands there with some beers. And Philip asks, how did you know I was here? And Stan joked that, well, if I couldn't find the 
travel agent in a motel under his own name than a, I guess I'm stupid or something. He was like, I'm not much of an FBI agent <laughs> if if I can't find my neighbor who's yeah not even trying to hide. Right. And then he said, well, really, Elizabeth had told his wife or something like that. That's kind of how he knew. So uh, he, re- Stan opens up and says that his... He, he his like part- totally spills the beans, Yeah, man. he was like, my partner died, found him stabbed, basically gave Philip some info. And Philip offered to drive him back home, but Stan refused, probably because he wasn't going back home. I went pretty sure. Well, that maybe he did go home. I don't know. Yeah. So Stan basically uh, just drops a ton of details about uh, about Amador, and it. Uh, I don't think Philip actually realized that he had killed Stan's partner. Yeah. Until until that point, fortunately, I think you know Stan was kind of half in the bag, so. It didn't matter that Philip maybe looked a little surprised or whatever, because Stan was too off his game to to really notice. And then after that, we cut to uh, Stan and Nina talking the next day. And she was upset about Vladimir. Let me try that again. Vladimir. (laughs) Nina was upset about Vladimir, who we saw get popped in the back of the head in the last episode. And then the flashback yeah, at the beginning. Yeah, they gave that a little previously on the Americans. Uh, yeah, Vlad got shot in the back of the head and knocked his bite of hamburger out of his mouth. <laughs> and so, yeah, so she's super upset. Stan's trying to calm her down. And, of course, he's playing dumb because, of course, he doesn't want her to know that he's the one that shot the dude in the back I of the know. head. And she even says something about it, like, oh, you're just saying that to, you know. Yeah. He had multiple chances to kind of come clean. Yeah, he I mean, he clearly, he's, you know. That's game on. Yeah, we I mean, we were sort of led to believe at one point, like, he was maybe going to compromise himself for her. but Get soft a little bit. But, no. I mean, he 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 caved and, and, you know, had sex with her, but it wasn't, uh, that wasn't, like, the first thing of him crumbling and, you know, well, getting I taken think, advantage of or something. I think the death of Amador... Hard, I don't know, toughen him back up, and he's not gonna. I didn't want to say harden him up after I said soften him up, but oh, I thought just, you were worried that it was gonna sound sexual if you said that it that it hardened him up. I I wasn't afraid it would sound sexual. We don't we don't cotton to that. There's no <laughs> nothing sexual on this podcast. It's the Puritan podcast, correct. And and the only th- things that happen with sex on this show all happen through a hole in the sheet. That's uh, there's no, <laughs> there's no, th- no contact. Not for sure if sex really happened. I wouldn't assume that Elizabeth and Gregory had sex. Oh, they boned down. Okay, that was that was a hundred percent. Because otherwise, really, the only nudity you saw was from the naked lady. Oh yeah, the naked lady. Uh, do you mean Elizabeth Marie Chestang? <laughs> Chest aim. <laughs> that was a terrible joke. It was her chest. I know. I know that that was the nudity. Was her chest? That was, that was not lost upon me. Okay. Let's see here. Let's look at her IMDb. Oh, she has a dance performance reel on YouTube. Well, we're totally watching that. Oh my gosh! Dancer, actress, 
model to Justin Timberlake's Love Stoned. Oh, she was in a Kindle ad. So she's done some commercial work. Some really terrible commercials. It's a really terrible. Oh, wow. She was in a Propel Zero commercial where she looked like she was taking a shit. Oh, my gosh. It's the scene. <laughs> That's hilarious. They actually, actually used the clip. Oh, look at that. She performed with Pharrell. She could actually say that. And she was a backup dancer on The Voice. Or wait, that was America's Got Talent. Oh, we watched that Kanye performance on SNL. Oh, she's a Brooklynette. That's the Brooklynettes uh, NBA dancers. I don't think I can convey just how much this makes me depressed about how shitty it is to be in show business. I mean, this video probably represents her entire career. She's clearly got some talent as a dancer, and yet I'll bet she's broke. Oh, this must be the modeling portion yeah, of the reel. So. This is a terrible font. Oh, for booking. Oh, look. She's on Instagram. Everybody go, go, go follow her. Go Sunny. Go Sunny Go on Instagram. Let's find her. Yep, there she is. Oh, she's a soul cycle instructor. Mm. That's that, like, cult bicycling thing. Yeah, I think it actually kind of was like... Um, it was on Incredible Kimmy Schmidt. They made fun of it. Because it, it's like the the bicycle thing we tried to... <laughs> it's, it's a spinning class. Yeah, a spinning class, but you kind of dance, like, groove and stuff, don't you? I think it's just a spinning class. No, you do, like, while you're still on the bike, you have to kind of, like, I mean, you're kind of... Oh, there's other movements? I think so. Well, Look. I'm definitely not up for that. We know that. <laughs> Is this the part of the podcast where I tell my story about spinning class? I think you might be able to actually get up off the seat. That might help you. Yeah, that was that was a bad deal. So, okay, short version of the spinning class story. <laughs> Several years ago, this has probably been what? Oh, gosh. Eight years ago now? It's been a while. Michelle and I decided um, that uh, as part of our, you know, fitness and getting getting more fit, that we would try this this spinning class thing that we've heard about. And so we signed up for an intro. This was the movie. Very clear. This was a beginner level class. I'm not an idiot. Uh, I talked to a lot of people ahead of time. They're like, oh, you got to invest in the in the gel. Uh, seat, seat, pad. seat pad thing. You definitely want that. And, uh, and yeah, so I figure, okay, we're going to go in here. This first class, we're going to be like just kind of learning the ropes and no big deal. And so we get in there, we get going, the instructor comes in and it's not like they, I don't, I don't think it was particularly, you know, it's not like it wasn't a beginner level class. Right. There just wasn't the sort of like, I don't know, learning curve or ramp up time that I was prepared, was, was prepared for. I was very, very out of shape at the time. And so that led to me, I think probably spending way too much time in the seat. And generally speaking, I think spinning, you're supposed to be up out of the seat for as much of the time as you can. 
so what that led to uh, was me getting unbelievably chafed in my sensitive region. Your special purpose. Yes, my special purpose was very, very tender. And this was an hour-long class. And I think about 40 minutes in, I mean, it was one of those things where I thought, okay, I can do anything for an hour. I'll make it through this one class and I'll just never go back. I think I had decided that about 15 to 20 minutes in. And so it was like, hey, I can power through this, mind over matter, you know, no big deal. In retrospect, I don't know why I didn't just like stop pedaling and just kind of sit there. Because <laughs> that would have been way less conspicuous. And way less embarrassing when he actually yeah, got so, up so, and Yeah, so Michelle is, is at the bike to the right of me. Um, and I'm, I, we're like maybe two bikes from the back of the classroom. So we're, we're like near the back of the class. And so I, um, I, I just couldn't do it. Like I, I was, I was in major pain. My guys were, were very, uh, beat up. And so I just looked over at Michelle and I, and I just, you know, quietly, cause there was music blaring. So nobody else could hear. I just looked at her and said, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go take five. I'll see you in the hallway. Because in retrospect to where you are today. I don't know what I weighed then. Wise. I think I was probably 20 pounds heavier. Because were you, were you working for the company then or were you still at the realtor? I think I was, I think I was working at Sam's at the time because I think I told the story to all my coworkers afterward. But anyway, uh, this was supposed to be the short version. So I get up <laughs> and I'm walking to the back of the classroom and I'm just trying to you know, be super chill about it. I'm not, I'm not hobbling. I'm not making a big, big scene or anything. I'm just trying to kind of slip out the back door and I'll just, you know, wait in the hallway for Michelle. And I'm like, the way I remember it is I was like reaching and I think my hand was like on the door handle and the instructor over the microphone setup that they had to talk to the whole class goes sir are you okay <laughs> which of course means that the entire class cranes their heads around you know like an owl to look at what the hell's going on in the back of the room and i don't think i even turned around completely i just sort of held my hand up and said i'm fine i'm just gonna take a quick five and uh, and so yeah, then I uh, lingered in the hallway, away from the doors, so I wouldn't have to make eye contact with anybody else as they left the class. <laughs> and uh, mm. never went back. I think uh, I think it only cost like fifteen bucks to enroll in that class, so I, I considered to. it to be a uh, um, you know that was that was just you know no problem. I spent that was what it cost me to try it out, find out it was not for me. The tennis class was more your speed. That I loved. That was a good time. That was a good instructor. And then we saw him when we got off of a plane one time. That was actually an, an a true beginner level course. Like we yes, started, it really was. We started off. I mean, it was I like the we same way they would the teach, a, on teach a the child. Racket. Oh yeah, they would. It was the same way you, you would imagine that they would teach a child how to play tennis. Fucking spinning. <laughs> Jesus. So anyway, if you're uh, if you're interested in spinning, uh, we would recommend seeking out Go Sunny Go on Instagram. Uh, Liz Chestang. Found her a link for her schedule. 
Oh, yeah, you can check out her soul cycle schedule. Look up soul cycle. I'm pretty sure it's a little... Let every pedal stroke lead you to yourself. Oh, hey, she's from Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, you guys are connected. Hey, you know what? Liz has got a class um, on... uh, She's got a couple classes on Tuesday this week. She's got another one on Wednesday. You can uh, you can find her. You know I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Anybody that wants to check out Liz at Soul Cycle, uh, just you know let her know you uh, you heard about her on Spousal Privilege from her appearance on The Americans as Naked Woman because that is in fact what her credit was on this episode. Yes. We'll get to it much much later in the episode, but uh, basically the FBI bursts into an apartment and she's. Uh, covering her boobs with one arm and she's basically in her underwear and she screams and runs out of the way. <laughs> and oh, Don't shoot, don't shoot. That's what she said. I personally would like to just note that the favorite dance move on the bike is, oh man, tap back and sexy corners. That's right. Tap back and sexy corners. I'm going to have to search that and see what the hell that is. So hang on. Let's just do this. Oh, yeah, we'll link to this uh, article, work your body, sugar. work your whole body with these signature soul cycle moves. And it's a nice little video. Uh, once we get past this fucking ad, eat a dick. That freaking forced 30 second ad. Dance break. This dance break has been brought to you by Clinique. Haha, <laughs> Max Greenville from New Girl does soul cycle. <laughs> Do you think he does that thing where he over-enunciates soul cycle when he's there? <laughs> Jessica. This seems so douchey. It was a really great, great cleanse. So basically they just gave perverted names to a bunch of moves. It's yeah. not, it's not, you're still just fucking riding a bike. Yeah, I just don't buy that this is any better of a workout than anything else. They just figured out how to market it and make a shitload of money off of it. You could just get on the damn bike and get the yeah. same workout. You don't have to have douchey house music playing and uh, like weird sex names for all the movements. Sexy corners. Oh, yeah. We're going to tap it back now. Ooh, and then we're going to do some sexy corners. We're going to rock it back and forth. We're going to move in a figure eight motion like we're riding a dick instead of a bicycle jesus christ <laughs> so anyway still if you, you want to get in shape if you're, you can if check you're out soul cycle liz has classes available in, in the cleveland uh, area union square williamsburg and brooklyn heights uh buddy she's in new york oh sorry she's, oh, no. oh, she's, she's originally from, from cleveland. cleveland sorry brooklyn she, heights she's in the greatest city in the world all right she is a nets person that's right She's a Brooklynette, or as it says here, a Brooklynette's dancer. She has a passion for health, fitness, and motivating others. She also has a passion for really crappy uh, graphics on her YouTube video reel. Okay, so anyway, back to the show. Right. <laughs> Where are we at? Neither said Bob Vlad. Okay, so um, so the next thing we saw on the show was it's morning time. It's time for the kids to go to school. And Liz is not handling solo morning ritual with a lot of finesse. No. Not at all. And a bunch of lip from the kids. And I guess well, she, she's really at, just Paige. 
Well, I mean, yeah. Henry was totally fine. Well, he was. She was like, "Did you pack your your homework?" I don't know. Well, that was. I considered that to be just like normal kid stuff. Like, do you have your stuff? Uh, uh, whatever. I don't know. Like, you know. But Paige was. This is what you asked for. Yeah, she's like, "Oh, do you know?" Yeah, Paige is basically like, "You're the one who kicked Dad out, butthole." And then Dad shows up, and all the kids run. We all like, oh, daddy, yeah, you're here. Yeah, this is kind of your typical, like, this is like a TV thing. Like, you know, like somehow the the parent who's not around swoops in and makes the other parent look bad, like they're the bad guy or something. Um, yeah, I don't know how legit that is. Seeing as how I'm from a, you know, I, I, I being a child of divorce, I can tell Wait, you that what? I don't have a lot of memories of like, my mother getting on to me and then my dad like swooping in and being like, Hey kiddo, you know, let's, <laughs> everything's cool. You know, and that that's anyway, especially when they divorce at such a young age for you. Well, that was, you know, when, when yeah, we don't have to get into a whole other conversation about that, but, uh, yeah, I, I, my scenario wasn't exactly this one where it, they were like in the same town and there were, you know, this kind of trading on and off kind of thing. But yeah, so Elizabeth's trying to basically tell Philip, you know, hey, you can't just show up. You got to call. You know, we're trying to get a new routine, which, you know, we're we're lovers of routines. I can respect that. We we just fly by the sea of our pants. <laughs> I don't. Uh, Sometimes I, cer- I feel like it. I certainly don't like that they're separated, but I can uh, I can respect the desire to to build some kind of new routine, um, and it's definitely not helping if he's swooping in and and messing it up. I agree. But apparently, he he wanted to also fill her in on how his stand conversation went, so they run the faucet, right? So they can have a conversation. But then he got the info from Martha. He got, the, inf- he got, got it. the info from Martha. I thought he said he got the info from Martha about the ring. No, he's told something. He said Stan told him about the ring. Maybe not. I don't know. I didn't take it in my notes. Hmm. So I thought he was saying that Martha then, then he was like, then, was then Stan. That night if he was also getting Martha info. I didn't think we saw it, but I mean, we didn't see it, but. um. I'll just take your word for it. Because then I think the way he said was like, oh, and Stan stopped by my oh, okay. hotel or whatever. Well, one way or another, we know that, uh, I mean, I guess at this point we got to assume that he's seeing Martha on the regular because as infatuated with him as she is. Oh, she wouldn't. She's not tolerating going, you know, more than a day without. Especially if this is for real. That's right. And he told her it was. He did. <laughs> That was real. So what we find out is that Amador is a sneaky little son of a gun. Mm-hmm. And he took his special ring off and um, apparently jammed it somewhere in the trunk of the of Philip's car when he was riding in the back of it uh, to where it wouldn't get found when Gregory and his team were stripping the car and dropping it off at the salvage yard. And so... Uh, my note was, is, do we think this is a sloppy Gregory cleanup, or do we think that Amador is crafty? And I think Amador gets craftiness points. Yeah. I would agree. I did think it was... Uh, no, nah, never mind. So just before we go to the salvage yard, we get Agent John Boy telling Stan, hey, you got to go with 
agent, you know, X and Y, whoever the hell they were. Dillweed um, and Fuckface. Yeah, that's right. That's what that was. What their names were. <laughs> I remember Dillweed. I didn't remember that the second one was called Fuckface. So thank you for filling that in. Um, but he's like, hey, I don't want you. I don't want you flying solo on this one. And uh, essentially, Stan got to do a little solo flight of his, you know, anyway, out in the field. Step aside, boys. Yeah, it was basically like, hey, uh, Dickweed and Fuckface, uh, go away by the car. Dillweed. Oh, I'm sorry, Dillweed. That's an important distinction. It is. Yeah, we went into all that, I think, uh, last week or the week before. Um, It was a couple weeks ago. Yes. The, uh, yeah, go away by the car because... uh, I'm gonna, you know, get a couple uh, sucker punches in with this uh, with this salvage yard dude and get him to really talk to me. Slam his face into the trunk of the car and twist his arm. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'll talk. Jesus, uh, it's a black guy. Drugs. Yeah, I think they sell drugs. And so, of course, as soon as he says that, we're like, oh, you know, shit. It's uh, is he gonna? He's gonna give up Gregory or one of one of Gregory's crew. And uh, Stan says, hey, uh, you know, come come with me. You and I are going to go look at some mug books together. <laughs> and uh, then we'll come back to that uh, in a minute. So then we get uh, Liz talking to Gregory. And so she's filling him in about um, the ring and how, you know, we think maybe, you know, we thought maybe it was going to blow over, but doesn't look that way. And, uh, basically all Gregory wants to talk about is, um, oh, cause she tells him about the separation with Philip. And as I put in my notes, he just wants to fuck. He's like, he's like, Oh cool. You're separated. So we can bone now. <laughs> yeah. Anything? No, sorry. It's okay. I'll just do all the talking <laughs> this week. She declines the, the, his, his offer. And, uh, and so he, so he leaves and then, uh, we go back to, uh, salvage man and Stan looking at the mug books. And I think my favorite part about this scene for sure was the guy was just about to say that he thought all black guys looked alike. <laughs> and, and he was like in the middle of the sentence and Stan stops him and goes, don't even say that. It was like, <laughs> I liked that it was like don't even say all that racist shit on our, on our modern TV show. <laughs> I just thought that he was going to just, he was either going to, I guess, try to like get out of like saying, Oh, I don't see him in this or like point to some random black dude and not be anybody connected with. This was definitely a scene that, uh, there were a couple of points in this episode where I got a little bit of a, of a flashback to the wire and uh, so he had to look through the, the, the mug shots and, uh, um, but he finds a guy and, and Stan is immediately like, well, I'll be damned because it's the same dude that, uh, that Stan and Amador chased after in Philadelphia back in the episode where we met Gregory, uh, but they didn't catch him at the time. No. And, but this time they, uh, they know where he lives in the projects. And so they're just about to go bust down his door and you hear a little tweet, tweet, tweet on a, like a whistle from like maybe the next floor up or from the stairwell or something. That's how they know that he's, he's flown. 
and this is another one of those things from the wire where we're like oh that's you know that in this is a thing like in the projects that you know when the cops come in there's all kinds of people like they don't even have to be your people just in general Uh. people will whistle or some kind of signal that hey you know the police are here um, and so See, anybody who's got like, something fuck. to flush or hide or needs to run uh, can do that. So so Stan and the crew hurry up and bust the door open. That's when we see our gal, uh, Liz, and as as naked woman, asking not to be shot. Not to uh, be confused with Liz, our main character person. That's correct. Yes, Liz the actress and dancer um, who apparently... And model. Yes, she's also a model. She's multi-talented and soul cycle instructor. Um, apparently, she is uh, uh, boning down with Gregory's man that lives in the projects there. Um, so as she's running around topless, covering herself, he's trying to bolt out the... He, he jumps out the window or whatever and, and takes off running. And... Fire escape or whatever. Yeah, there's just too many cops, though, because uh, he's kind of cornered. And when he heads back where he'd already come from, Stan grabs him. Yep. So not too fast for Stan this time. And Stan tells him, I should have let me catch you the first time because now I'm mad. (laughs) He did say that. It was, uh, I kind of bought it, too. It was like, you know, I like badass Stan. Although it does make me think back to the Truman Show sometimes, and it makes it hard to believe him as a, as like a hard ass because he was just a, kind of just a regular dude in that. He's still good at lying because he had to like totally lie to Truman about all the Truman's as he was trying to as he was figuring out what was going. I was like, oh, no, no, this is all in your head. What? Yeah. Spoiler alert for the Truman Show. I've yeah. never seen it. It's a good show. I know. A lot of people didn't like it. It's a serious Jim Carrey thing, but we hadn't watched that in a while. It's got the Laura Linney in that. I like Laura Linney. Plus, it's filmed in Seaside, Florida. Yes, your obsession with the uh, the little planned community. That's a cute little thing. I dig planned communities. I kind of like having our space, though. I like our little place here. You're not going to have an acre and a quarter of no. of randomness in uh, in a planned community like that. It was a good vacation spot. That I would buy. Of course, I would still like my playing community. Not being Seaside, Florida, but like, I don't know, Colorado. Of course, what I mean by that I would buy is I believe you that it would be a good vacation spot. Uh, I would not literally buy it because it's probably ridiculously expensive. Oh, it is. Because wasn't Seaside like a Disney property or something? Didn't they like oh, I plan it? I think I looked it up one time and that was the mm-hmm. case. Um, okay, so digression. Seaside, Florida. Seaside, Florida is an un- <clears throat> an unincorporated master plan community in Walton County between Panama City and Destin. Yeah. And it's been about the Truman Show. Okay, so the Disney thing was bullshit. Oh, they just added 12th grade to their neighborhood school in the fall of 2015. So they're about to have their first graduating class from their uh, their own school this year. Oh, maybe that's what I'm... Oh, maybe I'm thinking of Celebration Florida. So yeah, Celebration Florida is originally developed by the Walt Disney Company. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. It was not Seaside, but Celebration. Interesting. Yes, master plan communities are, a, are an odd thing. 
people who want their town to be perfect, like a leave it to beaver kind of thing. Sort of like that uh, Pleasantville movie. Yeah. That didn't work out so well for them. No. So, after Stan catches uh, Curtis's guy in the projects. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Stan catches Curtis in the projects. I say it's Gregory's guy. Yeah, Gregory's guy's name is Curtis. And uh, we see him, you know, trying to work on him in the interrogation room. And then we get uh, to see Granny, a.k.a. Well, I guess her name is Claudia, or she goes by Claudia. We've been calling her Granny. Yes. And uh, she hops in the car with with Philip and Elizabeth and lets them know, hey, I got the exfiltration plan underway for Gregory. Um, And this isn't like when they were going to exfiltrate the the wife of the dead guy and they just offed her and took the baby back to Russia. This is this is like legit, hey, he's been a really good agent for us, an asset, and we're going to reward him by, uh, we can relocate him to Moscow, uh, just make sure he understands, you know, he's going to have an apartment, he's going to have a stipend. Um, he's Language you know, he's not classes gonna, or something. Yeah, he'll have as many language classes as he, as he needs to get comfortable. Um, he's not going to be a rich man, but he also is not really going to have to work. Um, he won't have an office at, I looked this up, uh, she said, like, Dierzinski. Uh This was a dude who uh, ran, like, the precursor of the KGB. And so there was, so the office, I think it was referred to as kind of the office of where the KGB resided at that time. They were referred to by his name because there was a humongous statue of him right outside the building. Hmm. So that's what she was talking about. And... uh but that, you know, so he wouldn't really have to have an office there and have to work, but he would just occasionally come by and, like, talk to the new recruits or whatever and inspire them. Honestly, not a bad gig. If you're if you're somebody who believed in the cause and all that, it doesn't seem like it would be that terrible. But um, Elizabeth, you can tell, is worried that he's not going to go for her. She, she's playing, oh, yeah, it'll be fine, no problem. And, Stan, and uh, Philip, sorry, is like... There you go. Yeah, he might be a problem. And they're also having to move really fast on it because they know that they're closing in on... Yeah, the FBI is kind of, you know... Yeah, they're they're tightening the noose, you know, pretty quickly. And so we cut back to uh, Curtis gives up uh, Gregory. And then we get to... uh, to hear Gregory's conversation with Elizabeth. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? So Elizabeth goes over and I guess basically they order Chinese food and Gregory jokes about it. It's like, they don't serve Chinese food in, in Moscow, do they? And she's like, no. Um, but really still tries to sell him on it and all this other stuff. And it's like, you know, you've been, like you already said, you've been really good good to us and stuff like that you know we're trying to reward you for the service that you've done and if it's really then or no because it's not until they wake up the next morning when she's packing all the stuff and stuff and he's just like are you skipping the part where they bone down well he talks about what attracted him to her her i guess ability to be strong and forceful or something like that um so yeah, so like you know, kind of brings their their memories of them first meeting and stuff, and 
Oh yeah, she was ripping her shirt apart. So yeah, they bone down. Forgot about that. She was she was getting her Yeah, it was very She was getting herself ready. It was very clear when that scene ended yeah. that, that they were doing the deed. I forgot about that part until I was thinking about it. But yes, and then so the next morning when it's time for basically him to take off to Moscow. Depart. Depart. <laughs> Leave. Yes, for exit stage left for the heavens to Mercatroid <laughs> for the plan of exfiltrating of Gregory to begin. Um, he basically tells her, "It's like okay, you know, I'm either you're either gonna let me go and I'm gonna get or I'm gonna get to L.A. and change my identity, or I'm walking out of here and I'm gonna let just the cops shoot me down." I'm not going to Moscow. You know, I've I've served my purpose. I'm happy with what I've done. I'm this is this is a good stopping point. I'm I can be out. Yeah, it was that that was something. And I thought I thought it was crazy that he was his basically his last words to Elizabeth were um he's like, Listen, I'm I'm gonna go essentially like suicide by cop. Right. You let me go. And uh the only thing I ask for you is to uh, not don't reconcile with Philip. You like find somebody who actually loves you and uh, for for who you are. And uh, that was that was crazy. I mean, that's he's was seriously devoted to her. But my question is: Is this a question for now, or is it a question for after we wrap up? No, my my question is: So, if you were to find someone. That actually loves her for her. I mean, do we? I mean, obviously she keeps her true job from her kids, so it's like a complete. I mean, presumably they could. the The whole point of them being there is just to be undercover Americans, so she could still be an undercover American and doing shit for the KGB, if even if she was married to somebody who had no idea that she did that. It just wouldn't be as easy to get away. Right. You know I mean, like clearly there's an advantage to having the couple so they can cover for each other and they don't have to explain why they were gone all night or, or whatever. Right. Uh, just to the kids, which they can pretty easily cover for each other with the kids. But I would think also emotionally as, I mean, since me personally being a married person. Oh, are you married? Yes. Oh, that's cool. And pretty Congratulations. much, <laughs> thank you. And pretty much, our marriage is on no secrets. So I mean, it just last I checked, yeah, right. So, <laughs> so I mean, just to me, she's not going to have a true marriage. Oh, okay. So your your point is that the only person that she could have a true, re- uh, open, and complete relationship with is Philip. Is that what you're spinning here? Well, she definitely could not have one with somebody that loves her for who she is because, well, really, they're, they're, they're not... fake who she is. Right. Um, I mean, I guess, really, she can find someone that loves her for who she is and she can basically, I guess, get out of the whole scenario. That would be the only true marriage that she could have unless she can work it out with Philip and they actually really feel like they truly love each other. Yeah, I do think it's uh, 
I think you're right. I mean, I think uh, there's how could anything else work out in a true genuine way if she had deep, dark, you know, secrets? It's it's a crazy thing about the show. We should wrap up the, the plot for this episode and then, and then we can come back to this. So, um, so we skipped over the part where Claudia had told Gregory that basically he screwed because they went ahead and framed him for Amador's murder by planting some evidence in his apartment. So the FBI is going to hunt him down and kill him or jail him or whatever, unless he does the Moscow thing. And I think they did that very well. She's like talking to him. It's fast forwarding to them finding all the, it was intercut with scenes of the FBI raiding Gregory's apartment and searching everything. And they did the luminol on all his shoes and they, and they saw the, uh, it was really the, cool the, how they got the, the blood. blood from leftover splatter blood from the warehouse or whatever that they yeah, had. The, the, the Russians, yeah, collected the. I got to think I, I was kind of having my own little mental digression while the episode was <laughs> happening, and I was thinking about how that's probably it would make sense that that would be like a standard part of the way you would clean up after something like that, is that they would collect a certain amount of bodily fluids and whatnot from the from the db that way they could do exactly that uh what in whatever way they would need to so there's probably like there's some poor you know it's like csi kgb <laughs> the some poor lab tech has to come in and, and like you know uh, i'm gonna do a blood draw on the dead body and then i'm gonna have to like try to extract some semen in case we need to plant that somewhere like like it's it's that's a terrible job but I bet somebody has to do that job. I think they have to trim some pubic hairs. Probably. It's probably, I mean, like. like they couldn't get any hair off of his head because. Because I could see where they would, they would want to get um, all the possible things they would need to frame him for something. You know, if they, if they had to, if they had to stage it to where uh, it was like a, if they wanted to fake like that he raped somebody and it was a, you know, murder in self-defense or something like that. Uh, any number of things. So. Yeah, they could go do the whole, like, a Gone Girl uh, scenario with it and, you know, fake it. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I was uh, I was thinking about that. But, uh, but yeah, so Claudia explains that to Gregory. He still doesn't want to go. Uh, so then that, that next day, as it's time for him to finally make his, make his decision, he essentially begs Elizabeth. And then Philip shows up. And Elizabeth's got Gregory at gunpoint because she's saying, I can't let you go. Please just go to Moscow. And he's not going to do it. He does the thing where he walks right up to the gun and kind of like dares her to shoot him. And that's when Philip comes in and is telling Elizabeth, you know, hey, you can you can step out. I'll take care of it. And as he puts a silencer on his gun. That's right. And. She explains, no, I believe him. He really is just going to go and end it and it will be okay. And, and, uh, I was blown away that Philip actually bought in on this plan because clearly the, you know, granny Claudia is not going to be happy that this is the way that they dealt with it. But yeah, it, it clearly, and what I, what this told me was that Philip was prioritizing Elizabeth's feelings over the mission, because there was a distinct possibility that Gregory could have just tried to slip down, but he did keep his word. He went and got himself seen by some cops, got cornered, 
and got in a shootout with the police and they straight up killed him. Yep. And this wasn't like some, you know, like current events uh, type of killing where he didn't deserve it. Uh, he was... He took a he was, couple of their he people. He was shooting cops and was very clearly um, force, forcing them into a situation where they had to where yeah. had to shoot him. So he definitely kept his word completely. It was, you know, he, he went out in a blaze of glory. Now that song's in my head. You're welcome. A little Bon Jovi to go to sleep by. Of course, it's better than Father Abraham. <laughs> I thought the uh, I thought the the ending montage was a little weird, though. It was like you had it was intercut. It was Gregory uh, doing his shootout with the cops in slow motion. It was uh, I think we had some stuff with Stan. We definitely had Elizabeth, like you know, with the kids, and then there was Philip alone in his crappy hotel room eating a pizza. Was that a picture of on Stan's desk, like of Gregory dead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, that was they that cut was to pretty... that at one point. Like, you, like was Stan going to keep this as a memento? It's a love memento. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's a picture of your wife and kids. I'm going to have the guy that fucking murdered my partner's dead. Did you get my love memento reference? Yes. That's from Dumb and Dumber, everybody, in case you didn't know that. It's from Mary Swanson. It's a love memento. Samsonite. <laughs> I guess we, we didn't so, talk yeah, I, just, about... I just thought it was funny. It was like, you know, hey, these this person's emotional. This person's dying. This other thing is happening. Philip's having a pizza. <laughs> Philip's, Philip's eating his feelings. That's what, it, that's what it looked like because he was just sitting there with like a whole pizza box on his, on his lap in the bed. He was just kind of like sadly eating a <laughs> slice of pie. No. <laughs> Oh God! Mm-hmm. Pie sounds good. Um, <laughs> I'm just really hungry right now. I'm a little hungry. We ate uh, dinner pretty early tonight. That was probably yeah. a mistake. It's just been a crazy the th- day. So then the thing I said to you was, as the episode was ending was that it was interesting that the news report came on. Elizabeth was with the kids, and uh, you find out that uh, they called Gregory out by name on the news report that he got killed in a shootout with police and uh uh she just kind of sat there and uh i mean you could tell she was affected but no tears no nothing um and you of course had a valid point about why no tears because then she would have to explain to her kids what had her episode of course i mean i guess she could always try and win some points with her kids and be like oh i'm just you know, kind of missing your dad or something right now. And I mean, she really could have been like, you know, well, you know, your dad's staying in this terrible motel and I, I think about the violence out there and I, I you, know, it's, right. you know, I'm concerned or whatever. It wouldn't have been, they lie for a living. Right. She, she could have come up with something to, to lie to the kids about. Totally. But I guess it just kind of speaks to her personality. I think overall she's, uh, she she's pretty closed off emotionally, so she's just not gonna even even when you know that she's devastated by that, um, that she wouldn't allow herself to to show it in that way. One thing I don't think you noted on here in your notes, and we haven't talked about, is Stan and his wife's conversation before bed one night. Yeah, I didn't really put anything in there because it was it was I thought at one point. There was going to be like yeah. more of a conversation and then nothing really happened. 
I mean, she just tried to, I guess, basically say, let's you just give up this job. We can, like, we can be poor. We can live in a little tiny apartment or something like that. Let's just, you know, yeah. get away from all this. And Yeah, it was so dumb. It was like the typical, you know, hey, I love you no matter what. Let's just, you know, yeah, we'll, we can live on the street. We live in a cardboard box. It's okay. I still love you. Like, that's not practical. And he loves his work. He's not going to, he's not going to quit doing it. He was just trying to open up to her a little bit. And I, I was actually sitting there thinking, boy, she's kind of ruining this. Cause if she'd have just kept her mouth shut, he probably would have actually like revealed, you know, a little bit about what yeah. he actually goes through or what he was currently going through. And instead it was just like, you know, she was so eager to leap at a chance to maybe try to talk him out of being an FBI agent, I guess. She that... could have probably even gotten some sex. <laughs> She's been probably been waiting for some. Maybe so. Is she aching for some bacon? I think so. <laughs> but she obviously doesn't get him because he's never home. I think that pretty much is now that you're about a good comfortable position. Now you're done talking. I think we're I mean, we're at the end of the episode. We are. I I do wanna go back to the whole uh we were talking what was what was the Philip and Elizabeth stuff we were talking about? Um Being able to be truly together. Yeah, I mean I think I mean clearly Philip obviously made a big leap at the end of this episode and he still ended up, you know, eating pizza alone on his, you know, bed bug ridden motel bed. But, but, uh, uh, I think it's, it, this is part of the journey back to them being together again. Oh, this, wow. oh go ahead. This is the next to the last episode of the season. No, I think no. there's there's thirteen in the season, so we got three we got three more. Okay. Um I know what I was gonna say. I was gonna describe to you that uh I was explaining the show to the gang at uh, work this week and I said I said, Yeah, we've been watching the Americans and they're like, Oh, what's that about? I, I think I've heard that, that nobody had, that really knew anything about the show. Nobody watches it. And so I said, okay, I'm going to, you know, at the risk of, you know, the spoiler, I'm going to, so I explained, you know, hey, it's, they're, you know, undercover Russian agents posing as Americans. And uh, it was funny because I was realizing just how quickly we've ended up rooting for them as protagonists when you're describing the show to anybody and they're like, they're Russians who gives a shit, you know, like, like, like that's people's natural, re you know, anybody who's certainly people who are our age, who, who kind of grew up during the cold war, the, the idea that you would be sympathetic to, you know, characters that are Russian spies is, is kind of hard to comprehend for anybody who hasn't seen the show. But I mean, yeah, I think you could, you know, they could probably make a show about young Hitler and make him likable if, uh, you know, if they wrote it a certain, if they, if they wrote it in the right way, I mean, they'd probably have to call him something other than Hitler. <laughs> it would have to be secret Hitler. Mustache man. <laughs> yeah. They, they, I mean, they couldn't even call him Adolf because everybody would be like, Adolf? Shit, like Hitler? Screw this kid. Do <laughs> so you got nothing else? No, no, I don't. You don't want to talk about Shopkins or anything? I think it's a big important development today. I just want to go on record as being anti tiny little toys. I mean, come on, toy companies. I get it. You can trick all us parents into buying a million different varieties of these little things. 
that can then get stepped on or flushed down the toilet or stuck up a nostril or God knows what. Well, she, the, the one tonight literally is said something about being an earring and she was like immediately sticking it in her ear. Like, this is terrible. We're going to be grabbing tweezers and trying to, you know, dig something out of her ear canal. Considering she's did that whole, like, tissues up her nose or toilet paper up her nose. Oh, yeah, that was, on the that was a good one. Yeah, the, when, I, when I was, like, getting her to blow her nose and she had, a like, a wad of tissue that had been stuck in her nose for probably a day. Oh, so kids are awesome. do nose checks. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and not for nose candy. All right, so thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, you can find us at uh, spousalprivilege.com. You can find Michelle on Twitter and Instagram at M-W-E-A-R-S-C-H. And you can find me at nerd.is. That's N-E-R-D-D-O-T-I-S. Oh, and uh, you can follow the show at Spousal Priv on Twitter. Anything else? Do we have a sponsor? Well, of course. We always have a sponsor. I mean, we got to at least let our one listener know that That's right. there's a sponsor. Spousal Privilege is uh, is sponsored proudly by Pippi's Treasures. They make handmade items for the little ones that you treasure the most. Who shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Absolutely not. <laughs> or watching the Americans. You can make up for the time that you've not spent with your treasured little ones uh, by giving them something from Pippi's Treasures. A nice handmade item uh, with or without embroidery. Michelle Worsh, proprietor. Is proprietor a gender neutral term? I don't know. Proprietrix. You're an HR person. Don't you know this stuff? I did learn a new word today. I was on that, that site that... Uh, you were telling me about, and it was uh, sewist. I was not familiar with the term sewist. Is that uh, a more modern term than like seamstress? seamstress? Seamstress is definitely very feminine sounding. And it's reductive, I think. It makes it sound like you're doing like low-level work. Is sewist kind of meant to kind of elevate it? I'm wondering if like... I'm, el- I'm, I'm into- elevating it with my hand right now. I lifted my hand in the air. Since some people sew many other things, like seamstress, I think this kind of is more clothing, where I think a sewist can be like, because instead of like even saying quilter, like they sew handbags or little different things. It's It's more general. It's project neutral. It doesn't, it doesn't. I would think so. I can see that. That's my thought on it as a sewist and a seamstress and an embroiderist. And a quilter. I like, I like, what did I, what did I say a minute ago? Oh, I said proprietrix. (laughs) I do have tricks. Um, I just like it because it has an X in it. Um, so does sewist, does that include embroidery? Is that a subset of sewing in general? Probably. And it would probably include a different type of embroidery. Does it like, include, like does it include hand, I would surging? think like hand embroidery stuff and some machine. Okay. Like needlepoint? Yes. Like if you were making doilies or lace. Isn't that what they used to do? With, that's, isn't that a needlepoint thing? 
Isn't that what all the women would do? Like, I'm like, I mean, I, I Needlepoint like was still like cross stitch. I think doilies and lace stuff is create that by like knitting or crocheting or something, don't you? It's very fine. I mean, it's I like know. real small threads. I think of all that stuff as being like thick yarn stuff. All I know is that in all these like Regency England, you know, things that I read or watch or whatever, since I'm a weirdo guy, in terms of guys, I'm, I'm atypical that I like all these like Jane Austen and Thomas Hardy kinds of things. Um, it seems like a lot of the well-to-do young ladies would often be doing some kind of handicrafts like that where they would be making and that they would usually be making like lace or something and i thought that was all rolled mm -hmm. up under needlepoint but i'm not an expert i'm not either i am not a sewist i have not made lace i'm a podcastist <laughs> no podcastrix that that's that can be your title <laughs> all right cool if we can figure out how to get these recording sessions down to a reasonable amount of time well, we could actually do them it's only eleven thirteen. This is what I'm saying. If we if we could do like a tight, you know, we still got some fun rabbit holes in. Like I don't want to cut that out. I think that's the fun of the show. Um. But yeah, if we can if we can get our recording time down to you know an hour and fifteen, you know, between an hour and an hour and fifteen, then we can legitimately rec do this on a weeknight. So I think that's a that's kind of my goal. Because I would like to get a ton of these in the can. That way we could actually catch up to the show faster and yet have loads of the podcast ready to go. Good night. <laughs>